Can they have this world? Is that all we want? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah is the Messianic prophet. He speaks more about Jesus than any other prophet that we find in the Old Testament, more about the the suffering servant, the coming Messiah. For those of you who are in in BSF, you know you're studying Isaiah this year, and uh, you've got a few more weeks before you get to chapter 51. Uh, So that's coming up. So will, will you stand with me as I read a couple verses from chapter 51. Heavenly Father, come upon us today that our eyes would be open to Jesus, that you would use these words written so many years ago that you have inspired to come and fill our hearts that we might understand where it is our security lay. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll read the first three verses of chapter 51 of the prophet Isaiah. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. and her wilderness, he will make like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and sound of melody. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. I was in uh, Texas this last couple days at the... Uh, Presbytery meeting for Central South and the EPC, and uh, to those of you who, who know, a BR sends his greetings to this uh, congregation. He is a, a friend of some here and has visited here. Uh, he lives in, in the Texarkana area. And uh, as I was going through the airports at, at different times, and, and you know, all of us who, who travel, we go through the airports, we know what it's like, and you, you get there and um, uh, I didn't want to check anything, so I had my, my liquids in my plastic bag, uh, and, and I had them outside, so I put them in the little gray container, and I got my, my carry-on and my, my computer, and it's a real cool bag. You just unzip it and lay it flat. You don't have to pull your computer out. And, and you know, I'm not in a rush, and, and so I'm just kind of taking my time, and the person behind me getting all flustered, and, and they're taking their shoes off, and then they have them in their hand. They don't know what to do. You know, it's like I've got them in my hand. Now, what do I have to do with my shoes? They knew what they were supposed to do, but they just couldn't remember. And, and I'm, I'm watching this person, and I'm, I'm watching all the, the, the security people, and, and uh, they're looking at stuff. And, uh, you know, I think, I'm thinking, uh, gee, when I was not that long ago, you just walk right up to the gate, right? You remember going to the gate of the airports and waiting for the people as they came off the plane off the ramp and through the door, and you were there to greet them. Or if you didn't know, you could hold a sign. Now you've got to go down to baggage claim and hold the sign, you know, looking for Bubba and, and uh, hold that sign up. And, and then I thought, you know, I'd been to Israel in the 90s. And um, 90s? I, I can't remember. I can't remember. They were shooting at one another when I was there. How about that? Um, 
And, and we were leaving, and so we were flying in and out of the, the airport of Tel Aviv. So at the gate of the airport of Tel Aviv, we were on a bus, and there were a bunch of ministers on, on this bus. We were all there for a, a doctoral class, and um, on comes the guy with a uh, machine gun. And he walks up and down. He's got his little Uzi over his shoulder, and, and we, it, that was not uncommon in Israel. We had seen a lot of people carrying weapons. Uh, and he walked up and down the bus, and he was not there as as the greeter, okay, he was not there to welcome us. He was there to look us in the eye. And if there was doubt in our eye, uh, I got every impression that he would have pulled one of us off the bus. So that was at the gate. We drove a little bit further, and there was a checkpoint. And you know what happened at the checkpoint? Another guy with a machine gun got on the bus, okay? And he did the same thing. He looked under the seats. He looked everywhere. And there were guys outside the bus looking under. We pulled up to the door, and another guy, door of the airport, and another guy in a machine gun got on the bus. Then we walked into the airport, okay? And there in the entryway, no, not hidden back behind anything. There in the entryway with this long line of people, and they were all at a table. And so we took our bags, and we opened our bags, and they went through everything, Dirty underwear and everything. You know, they're in there searching around. When we were done with that process, I looked around at the other guys. And I said, guys, are you scared to travel? And they said, no, we're not scared to travel. Okay? We felt incredibly secure and safe. Okay? Now, was it inconvenient? Oh, in that part of the world, maybe. But we were safe and secure. So as I was sitting in an airport for hours this, this time... I began to reflect a little bit on things in my life and, and what is my security in life, okay? Now, when I walk in the house every day, and it doesn't matter whether I've been gone for a week or whether I've been gone for 20 minutes, when I walk into the house, you know who is there to greet me? It's my dog, okay? He thinks I am the greatest thing since uh, white bread, I don't know. And he comes up and, and you know, it's, it's the difference here is dog and cats, you know, the dog comes up and his tail is wagging and he gives me his belly and he moans and, and I'm rubbing his belly. He just thinks, you know, you treat me so well, you must be God. Okay? This, is, uh, this is my projection on the dog. You know, and if you're a cat person, you know, you walk in the door and the cat looks at you from the chair that it knows it's not supposed to be in. Okay? And you walk over and you rub the cat and the cat thinks, you treat me so well, I must be God. Okay? That's, that's the way. Well, you know, so, so I walk in the house and my dog comes and I am, I am confident, I am secure in the love of my dog. Okay? I am secure in the love of my wife and my daughters as well. They don't come and want me to rub their belly when, when I walk in the door. But, you know, it, it's, it's a constant. It is always there. That love is there. I can count on that. You know, I, and I walk into a house where if it's hot outside, it's cool inside. If it's cold outside, it's warm inside. It's dry inside. Okay, you walk in the kitchen. There's a stove and a microwave. There's water. There's a refrigerator. There's freezer. All these things that the way I find comfort and security in. And how did I get to the house? I got into, into a car, a great car that starts every day. Keeps me dry. Keeps me cool. Uh, I hit the gas. It goes. I hit the brake. It stops. The doors lock. You know, it's, it's great. I, I get in there. I'm confident in all these things. I've driven around in that car. It's safe there. I go to work in a place that is safe, in an environment that is safe. 
where I, with people that I can trust and count on. A collective pool of, of spiritual wisdom resides here in this church. I know the spiritual maturity of, 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 of the members of this congregation, and as they seek the Lord's will, and there's a lot of security there. If I ever get too stressed in the day, if too much, um, you know, I get a creative block or something, then I can go out and I can, I can walk around downtown and feel safe here. Now, on Sunday mornings, I park up on, on Adams, and, and I walk down, and I was coming down the sidewalk. And, you know, the trees are changing. There's this maple or, or oak, and it's all kind of yellow and gold. And I'm walking under that, and the air is, is really clean and smells good. But there was some other smell out there today. Somebody was cooking cinnamon buns. Okay? And I thought, this, this is good. Okay, this is like, this is home, and here I am, I'm walking down the street, and it just feels so good about it. And you can walk around downtown late at night and still have that sense here. But in other places, you don't want to walk around late at night, because it is not safe. It is not safe. Now, I can look back at my life, and, and growing up, my parents did a great job at creating that type of environment for me. You know, if, if I was out doing something wrong, somebody else knew about it. Okay, because it was a conspiracy uh, that somebody would know and tell my parents. And when I would get home, they somehow knew. And my mother looked at me and said, I always know what you're doing, Randall. And I said, call me Randall. That was, I knew I was in trouble. Okay, but I was safe within that. Okay, so my schools were safe. I mean, if you wanted to pick a fight with somebody, you could. But it wasn't a place that you had to worry about that. I mean, growing up, I was always secure. I mean, I went to some crazy places, but yet I never thought that I was unsafe in there. I have a safety net in life. Like most people, I have insurance, so I have health insurance. If I die, I have life insurance. Not so much life insurance that my family would be tempted, understand, okay, but, but I've got life insurance. Um, I have friends with resources. If, if the bottom were to fall out of, of my life, I could go to friends and, and, and find support and, and, and care there. I have confidence that, something that, that if something would happen to really disrupt my life, you know, there are people around me who could care for me. If I ever lost my job or something like that, I have enough confidence that an, an education that I could find another or uh, I've only been in ministry. I don't know what else I would do. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but there's confidence in that because I've this, this history that I can do these things, okay? So there's security in all these things. And I don't doubt that most of us here today have found these same things to be true to varying degrees in our lives. Some have more security than others. There are people here who have lost jobs over the course of their lives, of course. Family members have died, have moved all over the country. Sometimes people have moved all over the world, you know? Just think. I remember we were in a small group, and we asked, uh, how many times have you moved? Um, and, and there was one young couple that was like 19 times, and, and they had only been married 10 years. Okay? But they, as part military as, as well, so they got to move a lot. And, and it takes a lot of confidence to move. But you've got to have security. You've got to have a safety net to be able to move all those places and not exactly know what's going to happen or where it's going to be like or to go to a town. Now, you know, find your way around town without GPS anymore. How many of us rely upon, you know, have a little Garmin or something or our phones? I was in Houston, and, and the guy I was riding with, man, he, you know, he thinks he knows where he's going, but I had the phone, so I knew where we were going, all right? So I had to tell him. He'd go, no, no, we don't go that way. So we drive down the road, and he'd go, where is it? I said, oh, it's back there, like I said, like I said. 
Most of us were raised in families that kept us safe. Most of us, not everybody, but most of us were kept safe. Whether you have a dog like mine that greets you and loves you, I don't know. But it makes it easier to trust the Lord when we're raised in an environment like that, isn't it? I can say, man, man, I trust the Lord. He cares for me. Now, is it the Lord keeping me safe or am I relying upon these earthly things to keep me safe? My house that keeps the rain out. My car that starts. Okay, My job that, that I have you know, built up skills in. It makes it easier to say, look, the Lord is my shield and defender. He's our rock. But what if we didn't have earthly security? What if we didn't have these things that we could count on? What if we didn't have a safety net? What if we were out there by ourselves, without friends to care for us, without a net of insurance, without a net of spiritual maturity to rely upon? How would we feel then? Would we have the same trust in the Lord? Would we stand up and say, I trust the Lord? So is it trust in the Lord? Is it trust in our earthly security? And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going through all these things. I'm trying to, to process this a little bit. Would we still say that God's our rock? That we still trust him? Would we be as bold with our faith as we are now? You know? Now, I've been to churches where it's not safe to go to church. I've been to churches where you take your life in your own hands on your way to church where the government might come in at any time in other countries and and take you away because you were worshiping the Lord. I've been in churches and with believers who were not praying for good weather the next day so they could go and picnic, which I've done. Okay. But they were praying that they would make it home safely. They were praying that they had enough food to eat that day. They were praying that when they got home their abusive husband would not beat the stuffing out of them. Those were the prayers. Those were the trusting the, the evidence of their trust in God. They came and they worshipped and they had no earthly security, but yet their security was completely in the Lord. Now, I found in the eyes of some of these people security that I have lacked in my life. They have no earthly security, but they rest in Christ. And these people have not all been in Haiti or in Mexico and in Russia. Some of these people are 10 blocks from us in Lincoln Village. Some of these people are 10 blocks from us in Blossomwood, okay? And that's the kind of life that they live. Now, what if you were minding your own business one day, just doing the normal things necessary to survive, and you were doing pretty well at those normal things, okay? It's not as if you were struggling to to eke out, you were doing pretty well. And you heard a voice that identified itself as the one true God, and the voice said to you, I want you to leave everything that you have and go to a place that I will show you. Your entire concept of security is now in question. Like, well, well, I'm doing okay here, and I'm doing very well. And, and this voice, this, the, the voice of the Lord tells me to go here to a place that I will show you. He doesn't even tell you where it is. He just says, I want you to go, and I'll show you where you need to go. And what happens when you go where the Lord shows you to go once you have actually left your place of security? He says, I will bless you and multiply you. In fact, these are the words of God to Abraham. Abraham, who was not 
a believer, but the Lord called him, changed his heart, made him into the father of a great nation, which we are descendants of that nation. And he's told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and multiply you. And he says, I want you to look at the stars. You see how many stars are up there? That will be your descendants. Look at the sand. You see the sand? That will be the number of your descendants. And Abraham says, great. Because when when somebody in the Middle East culture thinks about descendants, they're thinking about their quiver being full. Okay? Kids and kids, sons mainly, lots of sons. Okay? Then I know I've been blessed. Because if you don't have any sons, you weren't blessed in that day. And Abraham's thinking, I'm going to have sons. This is going to be great. The, you know, the Lord is just going to multiply me and bless me. All I have to do is leave this security that I have right here, that I have built up, that I am comfortable in, and go someplace that he hasn't even told me yet. But I have to go there. Now, I know that unless the Lord has come to you and said, I want you to go to, I don't know, foreign mission, I want you to to drop everything, leave your work and go, that this is not a a real question for us today. There's only one Abraham, okay? And the Lord made a covenant with him and his descendants, and we qualify as those descendants. But what we have to wrestle with today is what does he call us to do and what are his promises to us here in Huntsville? Does the promise from our passage today, bless and multiply, does that apply to the spiritual children of Abraham as we are obedient to our Heavenly Father? Well, let's look at, at the context of, of the prophet Isaiah here just for a second. Now, we understand that the history of Israel is one of the promises of God, the covenant people going, yes, we're going to trust in you, and things go great for a little bit. And then what happens? Oh, maybe that generation, maybe the next generation, they start carving their own idols out of the trees. They start melting down their gold and making idols, or they start sacrificing their children to to pagan idols, and they move away from the Lord. And the Lord comes and chastises them, and they repent, and they come back for a season, and then they go off again. I mean, we would never do that, okay? The Lord has called us and saved us, and our time is completely devoted to him, right? We never get sidetracked with anything else than the Lord. Well, maybe we're not out in the backyard carbon idols, but we have our own issues, okay, where we get our eyes off the Lord. Usually our eyes are set then on who? Me. Because who's my idol? Randy is very easily be Randy's idol because it's all about me. Okay. Well, the prophet Isaiah is writing prophetically, to his, the people who have been in exile at a time when they will think that the Lord has abandoned them, that they are small in numbers, uh, that nobody is around. They've been in exile for some time. Generations in exile have lived without security, without the temple, without really focusing on the promises of God. Abraham was simply a distant memory in their, in their lives, in their, in their minds. And the prophet tells them at their lowest point that they've got to look to the Lord And when God called Abraham, Abraham was just what? One person. He says, Abraham was just one. But he told him, I will bless him and I will multiply him. And then he pointed to the stars. Like I said, as many as the stars and the sands before them, as many as the sands, that they would be blessed once again if they are obedient to the Lord. If just like Abraham, they go and do what the Lord calls them to do. If they are faithful, will bless and he will multiply. So Isaiah is reminding these people 
that the Lord's promises are true, that his covenant love does not change. He says, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain. When he was one, I called him, not just one year old, when he was one individual. And what is the outcome of that one person? A great nation, a great nation. Now, during uh, several periods in in time in, in the Israelites when they were in exile, they began to be comfortable with where they were. Okay, They had forgotten that they were the people of God. They had forgotten that they were a special people called out for a special purpose. And what had happened is they had become so enculturated, so comfortable with the foreign land in which they were, that when it was time to go back to Israel, time to go back to Jerusalem, they said, we don't want to go back. We like it here too much. Okay, it's too good over here. Now, do you remember what happened to the Israelites when they were in exile? What did a lot of them scream to do? Can't we go back to Egypt? We had onions and garlic there. We were secure there. Out here in the desert, we don't even know what we're going to eat tomorrow. See, they put their trust in this worldly security, which is fine. But does it overtake our trust of God's security? Because sooner or later, worldly security can be taken from us. Tornadoes can come, wipe out our house. Cars can run, run into our car. Banks can fail. Our money can go, okay? We all know about that. But the security that rests in the Lord can never be taken because his character does not change from one day to another. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises are the same. His covenant love is the same. It never changes. And when he says, I hold you in the palm of my hand and nothing can ever take you from there, he means it because he is the only one who can secure us. The only one who can secure us. Now reflect for a minute on your salvation, if you would. Where were you in life prior to God's grace coming upon you? Some of us hit bottom. We were in the dregs, dire straits, and the Lord came and said, okay, do I have your attention now? And he comes, and he pours his grace upon us and brings us out of that. Others of us, been Christians as long as we can remember, came to believer and became believers under our Sunday school teacher and um, kindergarten, first, second, third grade, something like that, and all that we have known has been Christ. Others of us were adults, maybe, doing well on our own, not really having any needs, not really having any security issues. We were fine in our own world, and the Lord came and said, you know what, you are not really fine because you do not have me. And he changed our hearts and brought us out of that and gave us new life. Like many of us are like Abraham. We know the blessings of this world. We find security in them. But the Lord says, I've got blessings and multiplication that you don't understand yet. But it takes you to leave that and go over there. Now, as I said, unless the Lord's calling you out into mission work out of this country, that he wants you to sell everything and, and go, I, that, that's not quite the application. The application is, do we get so secure in our world? And do we rely so much upon those things that are only from the world that we are unwilling to go where the Lord says, I will show you to go. And that's an unsecured area. Okay? A lot of questions about 
the Lord saying, I will show you to go there. But what awaits you where the Lord will show you to go? Blessing and multiplication. Blessing and multiplication. And you say, well, Lord, I'm pretty blessed over here. Ah, but are those my blessings or are those the blessings of the world? Now, there's nothing wrong with the blessings of the world unless you rely only upon them and trust only in them. Blessings of the Lord await for those who will go to the land he will show them. The land he will show them. Charles Spurgeon writes about this, so I'm just going to quote him a little bit. Charles Spurgeon, the great Reformed Baptist preacher in England, said, Ah, you say, but men are not called now as Abraham was by miraculous calls from heaven. Well, the statement might be true, but God's visible means of calling men are now so many that there can seldom be need of a miracle. The Lord can, can, by his spirit, make one of the millions of Bibles scattered all over the world to be as powerful a means of call as though he had sent an angel from heaven. God doesn't have to come to you in a voice. Here he is. Read the word. What's he call you to do? It's in here. Where ordinary means are so plentiful, wisdom resorts not to signs and wonders. Miracles were of admirable use while they were necessary, but now that they are no longer required, the prudence of God forbids an extravagant display of the supernatural. Now that the word of God is so plentiful, what need can there be of voices of the day or visions of the night? The same spirit who called Abraham by a supernatural voice can call others by the word of truth. Instead of regarding it as something unexpected that a man should be called out from among the heathen, I look for it and shall not be surprised to hear that in Huntsville, Alabama, I I added that, in Huntsville, Alabama, the Lord is calling men and women to go beyond the security of the world and trust him to bless and multiply them. Let us never dream that the God of Abraham is short of means for calling out chosen men to build up his church. Surely Christian people should never doubt the power of God to raise up lights in dark places when we remember that the greatest preacher of the gospel, the Apostle Paul, was drafted into the army of Christ from the ranks of its direst foes. First in the ranks of Christian heroes stands the man who called himself the chief of sinners because he persecuted the church. The Lord can make can just as soon make a man after the type of Abraham as after any other type. And doubtless he has such in store even now, to whom he calls and will yet come. See, we don't have to wait for this great voice to come to us in the middle of the night. Well, Rand, I'm waiting for the Lord to speak to me. You want me to tell you where he's going to speak to you? (laughs) Okay. I'm waiting for the direction of the Lord. Well, let me give you the direction of the Lord. This is what he calls us to do. And when we go to those places that we do not know yet, he says, I will bless you and I will multiply you. Now you're thinking, all right, Rand. Maybe you're thinking, all right, you convince me. I got to go somewhere. Where do I go? I go to the Dominican Republic. I mean, what, what do I do? There are people 10 blocks from us who live in fear, who don't have the same security from us. They go that way, they go this way. And some might be your neighbors in your own neighborhood. People who don't have the net of safety that we have. People who don't have the resources that we have. But one thing that they do need is they need an extension of the gospel in word and deed. That, I think, is where the Lord calls us. Now, I don't know exactly what it looks like. 
But he calls us to go beyond our security and beyond what we're comfy with and beyond what we think. Well, Lord, you know, can, can I minister to somebody who looks just like me? You know, yeah, you could. But are we doing a good job with that? Do they really need that ministry? There are others who are desperate. There are others who are going home from churches who are afraid for their lives when they walk in that door. You remember that when we had that, the after-school program, CASP, one of those young boys had watched his dad shoot somebody. Okay? That's a different world than goes on at my house. I think it's a different world that goes on at your house, too. But yet, the Lord calls us to minister to those least of these, those close to us who desperately need to hear the gospel. Friends, we need to begin to believe God and what he says and then act like we believe God. So that on the day that he says to us, this is the day you will move beyond the walls of your church. This is the day I will raise you up and use you to impact Huntsville in a way that you never dreamed of or never could even imagine. That is the day we are ready to roll. To go to the place that he hasn't told us about yet. But we know in confidence that there he will bless us. He will multiply us. And the kingdom will be served. Let's pray. Lord, what a a word to Abraham here. And what a word to us here in Huntsville. That if we go where you call us to go. And we are not so tied to the security of of the things of the world, which we find to be so important. But yet, if our hearts rest there, our hearts will never rest with you. Lord, you have blessed us with things of the world. You have blessed us with this type of security. But help us to remember that our real trust, our real faith, our real security must lay with you. So that we are not holding tightly things that only offer temporary security. But we are holding tightly to you. You who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that when you go where I call you to go, I will bless you and multiply you. Lord, help us understand what this means in the coming weeks and months. That we would continue to strive to be obedient followers of Jesus Christ that you have gathered here that we would look far beyond what it is that we think but we would cling to what it is that you're calling us to do these things we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ amen Come now, please.